telling stories from the EGA Clubhouse. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to EGA's podcast, Telling Stories from the Clubhouse. I'm Kate Milochina, Deputy Manager Director at Reveals at VP in Education Committee at EGA for now. And today we are speaking to a brilliant Denise Shook from Deluxe and amazing Pavel Lutak from Ayuna about the very intimate question for distribution, when to sub and when to dub. Dear guests, please tell, tell us a little about yourself. What made you to enter the field of AVT? Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Pavel Lutak. I'm dubbing technology specialist and local security officer at uh, Ayuna Poland. My background is uh, sound engineering and music. Uh, at the beginning of my professional journey, I uh, graduated from Frederik Chopin Academy of Music, sound engineering department. I have been in the uh, sound industry for 22 years now, in dubbing specifically for 19 years. And I have been involved in all the aspects of dubbing and voiceover production, such as work materials creation, recording, editing, mixing, quality control, media transform, deliverable creation. Uh, my daily tasks include providing expertise for various workflows and addressing non-standard situations. I write operational procedures and manuals. Uh, I also support Pro Tools systems, workstations, recording gear, procurement and maintenance. Um, I make sure that the circulation of the projects uh, is according to the highest security measures uh, and in line with uh, clients' expectations. I have been part of studio technology team working on various global initiatives such as developing and testing solutions that support dubbing and uh, voiceover production. I also perform sound quality evaluations for various purposes, plus uh, I'm an active sound engineer. <laughs> that sounds terribly cool, you know? Very impressive. Like... <laughs> yeah. Why have you chosen to start your career in sound recording? What was the main aspiration for you? I think I I transitioned from, from music. I, I've been in the, in the music school and at some point I thought that uh, maybe it would be great to uh, gear my interest towards uh, sound engineering, not music specifically, like music performance. And it seemed like uh, this idea clicked pretty early and I started preparing myself uh, to, uh, for, the, for, the, for the study. And uh, yeah, it, uh, from then on, it, it, uh, it, it went uh, smooth in a way that uh, uh, I'm, I'm doing what I love. And uh, I think that's the best part of it. Thank you. It's really, really great when someone finds some, something to do what he loves. Denise, tell us about subtitling and yourself. Sure. Um, I'm the global director, uh, senior director, sorry, of global subtitling operations at Deluxe. And uh, I have been in the subtitling world for a little over 17 years now. Um, I started off as uh, an English template creator and captioner. Um, I 
was previously a document translator, Spanish to English. Um, I kind of fell into this uh, audiovisual translation world and um, it wasn't really something that was uh, well, the opportunities were not well advertised, I would say, or not well known. At university, I had one class out of um, not even a full class, one session within a class about it. So the opportunities were not well publicized, I would say, at least um, in most of the universities outside of Quebec. Um, and once I started, I just felt like I had come home. It was the perfect place for me. I moved into a number of different um, aspects of subtitling from uh, translator resources uh, to QC, to quality assurance, uh, to project management, um, and had the opportunity to work in several different locations. Um, I worked in, I started off in Montreal in Canada. I um, worked out of Bangalore, India for a number of years, and um, I'm currently based in LA. Wow, it's a very peculiar path <laughs> of you working everywhere. It sounds yes. really interesting. Yeah, it's well. been pretty amazing. <laughs> well, um, please tell uh, everyone uh, about what is tradition in your country or what is usual for your country. For example, I know, I hear, heard that in Poland, for example, they're usually doing uh, voiceovers, like lecturing and full dubbing. Is it true? I mean, the the answer to the to that question, what is the most uh, used is, um, to put it short, it depends. Yeah, but let me start with uh, voiceover. In Poland, uh, historically, single uh, voiceover lecturing has been used for TV documentaries and non-child live action. The reason is, it is much less expensive to do than full lip sync dubbing. As far as subtitles are concerned, in the old days, this method of localization was not popular in the TV. I think one of the reasons is that um, people uh, had access only to CRT TV sets with very low quality picture. If you consider much lower resolution offered by PAL standard, comparing to the modern times, mm -hmm. you know, on top of that, it uh, <clears throat> becomes obvious why subtitles were rarely used. Uh, fortunately, dubbing has been always popular among uh, TV kit content, mainly animation. There wasn't that much of um, child live action back in the days. Overall, the volume of kids content was very limited uh, in the 80s in, in Poland, the times of my childhood that I referred to. Uh, for instance, I remember a 30-minute block at the TV starting at uh, 7 p.m., you know, if oh. you missed it, you, you needed to wait until the next day. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as far as movie theaters are concerned, the situation was um, quite uh, the opposite to TV. Historically, um, subtitles uh, have been used the most for all theatrical content because the conditions allowed for easy reading and uh, subtitling process was uh, much less expensive than dubbing. I remember again in the 80s, there wasn't too much um, kids uh, content in the movie theaters. 
So if you wanted to go to a um, live action movie and couldn't read yet, there were two possible solutions. Either you had your parent beside you acting as a voiceover, or you just watched the film without understanding the dialogues. Uh, of course, you know, the bright side was that the, the situation encouraged us to, mm. to learn reading. Uh, as of today, the situation is quite uh, different. I think it becomes uh, sort of unified across the world, uh, however, however, with some local flavors. As far as Poland is concerned, single voiceover lecturing is still very popular in, in the Polish TV. For VOD, I would say it's competing against uh, satiling and full lip sync dubbing. For child animation and live action, dubbing is the most used. In the movie theaters um, nowadays, dubbing is gaining more and more ground for non-child live action. And obviously it's almost entirely used for child content. I think in general, um, the broad selection of uh, you know, methods of localization helped raising the prestige of certain titles in the past. Today, it's rather expected by everyone and really goes without saying yeah uh, obviously it helps boosting the sales uh, as the content can reach broader audience and you know can be geared towards the viewers who tend to always choose one uh, method of localization over the others in this situation i can only say that i'm very happy that the selection is so diverse and everybody's gonna find something suitable so uh, I see that you have already included in your answer the some motives uh, for the client to choose dubbing over subtitling or, or, or vice versa. But if uh, the client comes to you and asks uh, whatever he has to dub or to sub for the title, how do you explain to him the main reasons to do um, dubbing in your case? Yeah. For, fortunately, we are in a position that I, I think we don't need to explain anymore to the clients why they need dubbing, lecturing or subtitle, subtitling. Uh, they actually know better than us what the audience of certain content is, what the target age group is. And, you know, the selection of methods of localization is strictly bound with this um, factor. And it's... It's, it's obvious that for child animation and uh, live action, they will order dubbing. Lecturing is the most popular for documentaries. Subtitles, uh, subtitles and lecturing will be ordered most of the time for non-child live action. Uh, we need to have in mind also that the selection is bound with the major VOD platforms, which require often full scope of deliverables that include dubbing, lecturing, and subtitling. So this is, uh, I think, um, this is this becomes self-explanatory. And um, yeah, clients, clients well, know exactly what to do. Well, you are kind of lucky because uh, in my way of work, uh, many clients have absolutely no idea what they mm -hmm. need in those uh, um, that kind of uh, media. Uh, Denise, what is going on on your side of the globe? Well, um, if I speak about um, what is more in popular dubbing or subtitling for English, um, 
in Canada, at least historically, it's been um, subtitles and non-English content was really kind of a niche art house sort of thing. Um, we did see uh, dubbing for children's content, um, uh, animated content, um, but otherwise, um, if there was dubbing available, it uh, tended to be not of the best quality, and it was often not offered as an option. So I think things are changing quite a bit now, and certainly in the US too, more international content is available, and um, there is a lot of effort to improve English dubbing uh, and make that a more widely available option. Um, in French for in Canada, there has been uh, a lot of dubbing. It's very popular and um, it the quality is very high. Uh, so this is a widely available option. And, um, you know, there are a lot of concerns to preserve the French language in North America and uh, in Quebec in particular. So this uh, tends to be a very popular form, but there are choices. And um, like Pavel, I, I'm very happy to see just more and more options available to viewers so they can find the best way to enjoy the content that works for them. That sounds interesting because as we can see, uh, the English uh, side of the world uh, develops different methods of dubbing and subtitling a bit slower because the income of uh, other languages just uh, just began so to say and other languages than English are developing more rapidly in different kinds of uh, translation. Yeah I, I would say also that the um, variety of source languages can pose a challenge um, because it really could be the amazing thing is the source language could be anything, but it can be difficult when you can't predict what the source language will be necessarily. And so finding resources that are trained in subtitling in a certain language pair with English as a target language um, on short notice or having you know sporadic work in that language pair can be a bit of a challenge. Uh, how do you take the British translations from, for example, uh, from any languages like Korean into Spanish through English or maybe to Polish from English? So, Does it pose uh, some challenge? For yes, you? Uh, I would say it does pose a challenge. Um, it is less challenging than finding um, multiple language pairs. Uh, to work at scale, um, we haven't really solved for that. Direct language pairs are always the best. Um, I think everybody agrees on that, but we often have to use a bridge or pivot um, template in order to um, be able to easily localize uh, on a short timeline into uh, many target languages. 
So if you had just, you know, we often have 40 languages that we need to translate into. Um, and that's where it becomes challenging. Yeah. Pavel, tell us please, uh, what is the challenge for you uh, in dubbing now? And what do you want uh, to become better in your field? Okay. I think the greatest uh, of all uh, is that we must turn around increasing volume of projects quicker and quicker while keeping the quality and security on the highest possible level. Uh, I understand that this is a natural and inevitable process. The sooner we accept it, the easier it's going to be for all of us. The bottom line uh, is that, um, you know, in order to keep up the, with the huge pace, we need to constantly review our workflows and, and stay open-minded. I think the phrase, it's been always done this way, is the, is the greatest sin of our yes, industry. Completely uh, agree. <laughs> and uh, the reason why I love technology so much is, um, is uh, because it comes to the rescue. Oftentimes, there are new solutions released every day that may, come, may become game changers if we adapt them to our workflows. If not, they may become our enemies if they're used by our competitors. Uh, of course, this is, uh, this is why we work on our proprietary solutions to make sure that they're tailored exactly to our specific needs. We um, also need to constantly uh, ask ourselves if we make the best you know, possible use of what we have at hand rather than justify the expansion that is that could be only extensive. Um, I believe it is wise um, to use the daily challenges um, to work on the future-proof solutions and not only to put out the fires, if you know what I mean. Improving uh, a little bit, bit every day is uh, absolutely fine in my opinion. This is much more important than taking a leap once in a blue moon. I mean, leaps are spectacular, yes, but uh, <laughs> the, 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 the small steps uh, should be the bread and butter and they create this constant notion of evolvement. Um, our uh, chief operations officer, Alberto Abiso, says that uh, uh, perfection is a moving target. I, I couldn't agree with it more. You need to adjust, refine, tweak, you know, question, evaluate. It's like driving a car. You can't expect to reach your destination without uh, adjusting your steering wheel on the go. You know, this is like an endless process. Uh, personally, I, I, I believe that, that you know, my day is lost if I don't learn anything new. I think this, this approach is something that helped me stay excited after 22 years in the, in the industry. <laughs> I would, yeah, um, I'm that kind of a person who, who's willing to look at um, the insight first and then, and then look uh, for the challenges uh, outside. Yeah, striving for the quality in the, our work time constraints is a very, very peculiar task, so to say, because I, I, I know and I feel that Every one of us always tries to do the best he or she can, but it's a very, very big discussion between uh, quality and time. Yes. So, so I really, really hope that uh, 
technology and uh, new people will help us all to develop uh, our respective uh, field of work uh, to our best uh, consideration and quality. And thank you for the brilliant discussion. I really wanted to have much more time to discuss because it's, it's really uh, very interesting to see how different countries and languages work around their specific possibilities in subtitling and dubbing. Uh, but that's all for now. Thank you, everyone. Happy to see you all. See you next time. Thank you so, so much. much. Take care. Bye. Join us next time when we share more stories about elevating the art and science of global storytelling.